Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X-Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. How do you build a high-value-creating leadership team? Welcome to Season 3, Episode 10 of the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. I'm Richard Metcalf. I am actually here by myself today doing a little solo episode to wrap up uh, this series where Davina and I have been exploring uh, exactly what is a high-value-creating leadership team, uh, how would you know uh, that you have one or you don't have one? And, and what are some of the symptoms and issues that we see teams experiencing that really hold them back? So what I wanted to do today is to really kind of boil that down and wrap it up a little bit, uh, cover what the ground that we've we've reviewed um, together, and then uh, just to give you a few tips on where do you go from here? How can you actually implement some of this in a less perhaps ad hoc way than the individual episodes that we've focused on. So, um, and perhaps before I jump in, I have been very remiss of late uh, for those of you who've listened to several series and I, I am intending to get in my Freddie Mercury or Queen quote um, uh, in every episode and I haven't done it up to now. So I suppose the only one I can think of right now as I speak is living on my own, right? Because this is a rare episode where I'm just going to talk directly to you and um, and give you my perspective, right? I do a lot of work coaching senior leadership teams and hopefully some of these uh, views will and ideas will help you as you think about structuring a plan for your own team. So let's kind of review very quickly what we've covered, right? In episode one, we looked at um, is your exec team underperforming? How would you know? What's the difference between a high-performing team and a high-value-adding team? Um, and making the point there that often being too task-focused can actually make you lose sight of the levers that you have to actually upgrade the way that you work on all of those tasks. Uh, we then, in episode two, we looked at what's holding your team back. We talked about blind spots, black spots, and hot spots, and, and it makes it very hard to understand um, the actual limiting factors. As a leader, our perception is not the right starting point. The actual best starting point is understanding the team's self-perception, but also that of your key stakeholders. We operate in an ecosystem, and knowing our stakeholder perceptions is just as important as knowing what your team feels. And then we got in uh, over the last um, seven episodes, I guess, um, to a whole number of areas, right? We looked at what happens when there's not enough ownership in your team. What happens when everyone's focused on their functional silos? What happens when you're not having the bold conversations? And there's elephants in the room. What happens when you have these lopsided meetings where 20% of people 
dominate 80% of the airtime and what's the consequence of that? What about when your leadership team meetings are a bit flat and uninspiring? We covered that in episode seven. And then in episode eight, uh, what happens when you, you try to do something about it? You actually have an offsite or even a, these days a virtual offsite uh, and still all the initiatives that you come up with die a quiet death. And then in our last episode, episode nine, we looked at what happens when you end up finding yourself spending too much time on operational topics and some of the areas there to look into. For example, managing the interface, not only with your team, but with your team's teams. So there's an awful lot in there. Uh, and you can see just in that very quick run through quite how much uh, there is involved in getting a team really humming along at its top potential. So there are three ideas that I'd like to offer you in terms of where do you start and how do you start? The first one is be very careful if you decide to do it all yourself. I often like to say to people, just don't be an amateur when it comes to this. Because as a chief executive or as a senior leader, you have so much on your plate. You have a lot of goals and targets and probably quarter by quarter deadlines that you need to deliver on. Okay, so there is going to be a natural uh, pressure to deliver on the short term. And so it's incredibly hard to take a longer term perspective on stuff which feels a little bit soft at a time, right? Feels like, yeah, I'll get to the team next week, right? This week I've got another priority. So it's very, very hard to follow through. One of the reasons that often team development does not work is because people hire a consultant in or they do a team offsite and then they commit to following up. Yep, we've got all our initiatives and the follow through dies, right? We talked about that in um, episode eight. It's um, one of my, um, one of my um, clients, original, uh, one of my early clients um, did very, something very similar. We had an incredible offsite. They were super pumped. They had a real roadmap. And they said, Richard, we've got it from here. This is going to be amazing. We've got things in the diary. We've got owners of different initiatives. We're, we're sorted. I went back six months later and almost nothing had moved because there'd been a business shift. They'd, uh, people had changed roles um, and time had got squeezed. And they were still in the same place as a team as they were six months before. So really understand who you can bring in. Now, it might be somebody external like me or <laughs> from Echo Squadron, but it might also be somebody else, uh, internal perhaps, uh, an HR specialist or somebody else who can help you with this. Um, but I think you really need somebody who has the uh, expertise and who's able to work with you to make sure this happens. The other problem with trying to do it yourself is you don't have the independence. You see, you are part of the system in which the team operates. If you're the team leader, then often your own leadership is having a massive impact in the operation of the team. And it's very, very hard to try to adapt to the system of the team when you're a part of that very same system. So don't be an amateur. The second one is roadmap first. 
it's really tempting to dive in with some idea of we need to do this with the team. We need to improve relationships. We need to uh, do a team building exercise. We need to work on our charter. We need to uh, improve accountability. But I would say slow it down and build this roadmap. Create a shared view with the team agreeing on what's the current reality. And again, you can hear more about assessments and things in episode two. So what's the current reality in which the team's living? What, how is the context in which the team is operating shifting? So this might be the market. What's the market gonna be like in two years? What are customer expectations gonna be like in two years? But it could also be internal. How are our internal stakeholders gonna be changing in the next two years? What, what are they going to need from us? What will success, how will success be different for us in two years than now? How are the, how are the goalposts moving? Okay, and so once you've got the reality and the shifting context, then the team can develop a picture of what its next level is gonna be. Okay, so let's paint a picture that everyone can see themselves in and can understand what it looks like, what it's going to feel like, what the shifts and changes are in that future vision. Once you have that, you can then start to build a map of getting from A to B. I'll give you an example. Uh, I recently um, worked with a leadership team of a high growth uh, tech company. They um, they had a number of issues because they've just had growing pains. You know, they've, they've raised a lot of money. They've gone to another level. They're, they're multiplying, um, they're adding hundreds of people into their workforce in the next uh, couple of years. And a lot of things have changed. And so there's a number of areas that they need to, that they want to up level as a team in terms of how they run their meetings, how they assign roles and responsibilities, the decision-making process, uh, even who's on the team, the size of the team, um, a number of things but you can't do it all at once. And so we worked together and really came up with a six step plan, really a phased roadmap to say, well, we've got all these areas, but we don't need to deal with them all at once. And frankly, no one's got the time to do them all at once. But actually, if we were to address these things in this order, that would make a lot of sense. Things would build upon each other. You wouldn't have to go back and revisit the wheel. And, uh, and that, if you really executed on those six steps in the next two years, it would naturally take you from where you are to where you want to be. I'm gonna pause there. Do you have that kind of clarity for your executive team? Do they all agree on their three to six steps? Not just for where the business goes, but for how they as a team need to develop in order to go there. So roadmap first. And then once you've got the, the, once you know the team's roadmap, once the team has agreed the roadmap, you can then um, agree as a team, how do we want to work on these issues to move forward? And this is really where uh, the team coaching process comes in. So coach the team is really the third step. So this is, this is different from doing team building or doing team facilitation. Often when clients come to me, they're expecting me to kind of bring all the answers with my consultant's toolkit, um, tell them the things they have to do, you know, the processes they need to adopt and so forth. But actually um, creating sustainable change in the team comes from creating insights in the team, not just telling them to do more and more things each week. So 
So this is actually a counterintuitive shift. We've got to stop jumping to the immediate action, but we've got to start thinking about the dynamics of the team instead. Okay. Uh, so moving away from the immediate, what's the action from this session, but actually slowing down, what's the system we're operating in? How are we going to create more value across the stakeholders? What are the assumptions that keep us operating the way we are? How do we work when we're together, but also how do we work when we're apart? What are the behaviors we need to practice when we're together? And what are the behaviors we need to work on when we're apart? And, and this, this creating of a reflective space um, is a game changer. I've been working with a, uh, a team in pharma and um, um, over a, a session with them, there was a huge shift in how they saw themselves they suddenly realized that they were no longer needing to be an operational team primarily, but because of some organizational changes, their role or their key success factor was gonna be the degree to which they could be an influencing team, a team that created an ecosystem of partners internally and externally, um, and a team who could shift the mindset and the perceptions and the priorities of this ecosystem. In other words, they could have all their operational ducks in a row, but if they didn't change certain key stakeholders' approach and, and mindset, nothing was going to happen. So suddenly, all the operational stuff was delegated down, and this team started to focus on how do we become an influencing team? You can't get to that level of insight on your daily or weekly uh, or twice a month leadership uh, meeting. Need a time to really slow down to create these ahas. As I like to say, you can't uh, change gear with your foot on the accelerator. And most uh, most exec teams have their foot on the accelerator all the time for various various obvious reasons. Uh, and there is no space in their diary to slow down and to actually find these insights. Now, this tends to be a, a six to 12 month journey for many teams, but a journey of coaching and fresh insights and re-understanding who the team is and, and, and what its, its success factors are is a game changer. So number one is, is don't be an amateur. Make sure that it's not relying on your own discipline, independence and follow through. Number two is create a roadmap first. Um, create that view of the current reality, the shifting environment, and the team's next level, and then figure out the phased roadmap to simplify that and make it doable in a busy business context. If you're interested in getting a copy of our diagnosis, um, then please, um, uh, drop me a, a line, get in touch, and I'll get a copy of our diagnostic tool to you and suggest a couple of extra options for you. You can reach out at podcast at xquadrant.com to get in touch. And then finally, once you know the team's roadmap, start having the team coached as a team. This is not individual, um, not individual coaching. It's not process facilitation, and it's not team building exercise. It's really creating a space for the team to reflect, create shared insights, and then agree new 
behaviors and way forward. If you're interested in any of that, again, very happy to speak to you. It's, I spent a lot of time doing this kind of work with uh, fast growing companies or companies going through major transformations. And I'd love to share more expertise with you. Um, that's it for now. This is uh, this wraps up the end of series season three on the podcast. And in season four, we're taking a bit of a different tack. I'm going to be interviewing a number of incredibly impressive CEOs and diving into their success formulae. What has made them the impactful uh, business leaders that they are? what's held them back, and what's going to be the shift for them to get to their next level. So I hope you'll find these a fascinating set of conversations in season four. For now, go out there and make big things happen. Goodbye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level. If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.